It was a huge night out, and uh, in my drunken stupor, I actually hit my groin on one of those chunky bollards. But as it turned out, it actually wasn't a bollard at all. I was sexually assaulted by Brad Drew. I know it might sound strange to say it, but if I had the choice between keeping Cameron Smith or Augusto Pinochet in power, I'd still lean with Pinochet. The trio would have to be Craig Gower, Jason Moody, and Sam Obst. Because I just can't see another three players fitting in musically with Craig McLaughlin and Check One Two. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of The Voluntary Tackle, the only NRL podcast hoping that Bradley John Murdoch is selected as the assistant coach at the Gold Coast Titans. Not for performance reasons, obviously. I just think it'd be really interesting to have a serial killer in camp. I mean, can you imagine the hill sprints when you're trying to get away from a guy in a flannel and a shoddy? Your cardio would go through the roof. Or your brain's white matter. Hard to tell. I'm your incompetent host, Eamon Brown, and today on the show we'll be discussing all of the big issues happening in rugby league, uh, which teams are the shit and which teams are just shit. Plus, we chat again with my old man Charlie and also have our very first interview with some real hen's teeth incarnate, a voluntary tackle fan. I know, um, we're as shocked as you are. We didn't even have to fillet him to make it happen. But we're going to get into all of that and a whole lot more after this quick commercial break. Well, from the same people who brought you Angry Souths Coach and even Angrier Broncos Coach, the NRL is proud to present to you the next big thing in children's entertainment, the Anthony Seabold Clown. For a reasonable price, plus some unhanded third-party arrangements, the Brisbane Broncos are willing to lease out their failing coach, Anthony Seabold, to manufacture some lewd-looking balloon animals and juggle live chainsaws at your kid's next shindig. You see, the Broncos need to justify the appointment of Anthony after discovering midway through the season that he's actually pretty shit. So now they're desperately seeking alternative forms of revenue to save face. And what better way than letting Anthony abuse your children at a party that they will remember forever? For an additional fee, Anthony will even take time out of his busy schedule to favourably compare your kid's tackling ability with Luke Keery, or even compare Wayne Bennett to a Nazi pedophile. So call the Broncos now on 1800 737. We haven't been good since the mid noughties. Please note that Anthony Seabold's a bit of a dickhead and will likely call your kids names for no rational reason and even possibly dunk his face down the toilet to make himself feel better for orchestrating one of the most anticlimactic seasons of all time. Well, listeners, there has finally been a breakthrough with the judiciary. Now, without telling anybody, the panel has implemented a new bylaw. Uh, Blinken, you would have missed it. But now if you commit a violent penalty against a known dickhead on the field, you can actually escape punishment. Now, I, for one, am 110% right behind this one. I think it's a great innovation. We saw it with young Flanagan's knee to Matt Lodge's face recently. I was ecstatic to see him let off without charge there and given three bonus judiciary points. Now, we also saw Rugby League clean skin. Jared Warrior Hargraves beat a charge of trying to imprint his face on Josh Maguire's frontal lobe. Now, if this was anyone but Maguire, we would have seen not only a suspension, uh, but we probably would have seen Jared marched through the courts for a criminal offence. 
uh, as was the veracity of that particular headbutt. But thankfully, this new rule is in place and Jared was free to play the next week. Now, it certainly got the voluntary tackle to thinking, what would the game be like if the judiciary extended this kind of thinking one very small step further? Canberra have the ball. They run wide through Caesar. He passes to Joey Lailua and Widdop with a massive swing of the crowbar has absolutely brained Lailua. He is on the ground and bleeding profusely. Well, that is a brute, a big hit, if we've ever seen one there from Gareth. Uh, the refs obviously very concerned. They're having a word with him right now. Uh, yes, it looks as predicted uh, because BJ Lalua is a bit of a prick. Widdop has just earned himself six additional Deli M points. And I say well-earned Gareth Widdop. That was indeed a classic assault with a deadly weapon, if we've ever seen one. Now for a closer examination, let's go down to our sideline commentator, some crazy Scottish bloke who absolutely fucking bleeds league. Go ahead, mate. Thanks, Hammond. Madness here on the sideline as the news of Dalian points bonus spreads to the rest of the Dragons team. There is definitely shades of Rodney King down here as the entire team wails on BJ Lalua's lifeless corpse in search of their own Dalian points. With any luck, they'll turn up my daughter Madeline. All right, don't get emotional, Jerry. Just stay focused on the match. What's the latest on BJ Lalua? Well, obviously, Eamon, he's seriously injured. But strangely, nobody seems to care. Quite a bit like the Portuguese police who refused to search for my daughter Madeline in Praia de Luz. Okay, thanks, Jerry. We'll leave it there. Thank you for your input. Caddy's cord. All right, now, while uh, we wait for BJ Lalua to regain consciousness and a heartbeat, we're going to check the Deli M ladder. And, uh, well, it seems Widdop has raced up to the lead uh, with a 55-point margin over Cameron Smith. And his odds to win the award have dropped lower than BJ's current pulse. Well done, Gareth Widdop. Well, Charlie, you're back on the show. It's, uh, it is a fantastic feeling to have you back. Um, how have you been? I've been great. Thank you, Ivan. <laughs> uh, we're going to start with the Roosters. Uh, listeners know that we're incredibly biased. So do, don't, they? do they? Yeah, they do. So don't feel bad All about right. that. Um, but I guess the, the big question is, where do you think the Roosters are tracking? And are we the deserved premiership favourites that we currently are on Sportsbet? Before I answer that, I hope we're not going to get trolled, are we? Trolled by whom? Trolled by the trolls. Wherever, well, you know, wherever they are. we're out there on the digital sphere. I appreciate that, that you're, uh, you're aware of trolls. Yeah. How much about the digital world are you aware of? Oh boy, it's full of digits. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I think that's a big revealer. Um, do you have a Facebook account? I got a Facebook account. Yes. You do, correct, Damon. You may be more of a digital boffin than I am because I'm a bit of a technophobe. I quite uh, enjoy living my entire life offline. Okay. But you might have it. What do you have? An Instagram account, Facebook, Twitter. Are you on WhatsApp? <laughs> <laughs> Are you following Corey Norman? What's up with you? But uh, the only thing I've got is Facebook. Okay. Is there a benefit of having a Facebook account in 2019? What do you get out of it? I get out of the old, there's an oldies thing where they give all the old photographs and stuff. That's what I'm really into. Not all this local mumbo jumbo stuff, but I just liked all the old archives. So what are you talking about? Is it an old Polaroids of Marilyn Monroe? I mean, what, what are the photos of? 
photographs of early Australia, early Sydney, Bondi, whatever. Okay. And it's just a uh, postcard into our past life, which is great. Okay. And so you don't go on there to sort of heckle uh, celebrities or anyone in the public eye? Do you ever consider trolling anyone yourself? No, I don't troll and I don't heckle. I just uh, laud, L-A-U-D, I think it's called, as it's spelt, and uh, with the old photographs and stuff. Okay, well, that's it. It sounds like you're actually using Facebook for a legitimate purpose, which I'm quite impressed by. Because I, I don't know if you know this, but most other people use it to stalk, uh, not even friends, but people that they knew once in, you know, 2003. And they go, oh, I wonder what, um, you know, Charlie Simpson's up to. I knew him once uh, for a week when I worked at that casual job in the late 90s. And then you go and check out their account and you go, wow, he's married with two children. It's done nothing for me. No, that seems a bit crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Why, why would you want to bother with that? Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a strange behaviour. So that's why I was interested. But I don't know if you kept up with this story or not in rugby league. It's an entirely relevant topic because um, both Latrell Mitchell and uh, Momorowski for the Tigers uh, were heckled and trolled online this week. Uh, one for just outright racial vilification on Latrell Mitchell and the other for Momorowski who missed a goal at the end, uh, which seemed like a fairly absurd thing to have a go at him at because I think he scored every single point bar that goal in the match for the Tigers. Yeah, he scored every point bar when he, uh, drawing the match. You know, but it was terrible. It's same, a tough school, isn't it? It is, same as Latrell. Why are we obsessed with a minority, uh, upsetting in the majority? Mm. That that troll, the, the trolling of Latrell is just by 0.0001%. And do you think it should be a story? I guess the question is, if, as you said, it's one lone dickhead for the most part. Mm-hmm. Are we uh, doing the game a disservice by actually shedding light on that one person? Well, they're doing a disservice by giving him credence, the troll, whoever he is, mm. or he or she, uh, any oxygen. It's ridiculous. Don't bother mentioning it. It seems I think this story got some currency because Latrell Mitchell himself outed this person as a as being a racist idiot uh, and that's why it sort of gained momentum um is there any i guess in the same way that adam goods uh outed a few people um for calling him horrible names at the ground is i guess latrell mitchell's i guess completely within his rights isn't he to to isolate this person and say this isn't on it is but this is what these these creatures want these minority groups they want all this stuff and they get they get off on it Here's my big question to you, Charlie, because I know you're the person to come to about this. Don't say that. What should be the punishment for anyone caught racially vilifying a person like a rugby league player online? What would you like to see? You're the president. You've just been uh, you've been made Trump for a day uh, in Australia. You're able to implement any punishment you like. What are you doling out? Well, you got to catch them first. So executions number two. <laughs> but. How do you catch these creatures? You know? The best punishment is to ignore. Mm. So just give them the cold shoulder. Well, if you want to call that. You've got the law enforcement. They've apprehended the person. They've brought them before you in the court of law, in the court of Charlie. What are you doling out? <laughs> and the reason I put it to you as a question, and I don't know if the listeners are aware of this or not, but, I mean, your, your punishments tend to be quite severe. <laughs> I've heard the word stoning. Brought out a few terms in conversation, um, hangings. I mean, sometimes you're quite medieval, uh, not 
necessarily unjustifiably, even though I'm not pro-capital punishment, but you've only ever done it for um, very serious crimes, obviously. I'm assuming you don't want to bring those kind of punishments to bear on people who have trolled people online. Well, that's exactly right. <laughs> You're saying it's a different thing between killing people and trolling, but uh, <laughs> just as bad, but I wouldn't execute them. We're at a crucial stage in the season, obviously. I think round 22 is coming up next week. And it is the uh, the time of the year where the whips are cracking into the finals. And I want to uh, tax your brain, Charlie, as to which teams you think uh, are going to make an impression on the finals and which are just pretenders. So I thought we might just go team by team. Um, and for some reason, this is completely serendipitous, I, I want to start with the Newcastle Knights. Yeah, are they a chance of making the finals? Bob Hope's brother. No hope. What, what has happened to their season? Because uh, only midway through the season, they were carving up. They'd won uh, quite a few games in a row. Mitchell Pearce, I think, had won six mana matches in a row or something like that. Uh, the most of his career. It brought his tally of man of the matches to six. Uh, so he was doing quite well. Where did the wheels come off for the Newcastle Knights? I think they came off because Mitchell, for some reason, he just had this exceptional six-week period and uh, he just uh, imploded and that was the end of him which is just normal for Mitchell Pearce. Is it just something that you can hang on his neck though what, what's happened to the team obviously uh, Ponga um, a lot of uh, I guess the hope of that club is around his neck now I notice he's after a 1.5 million dollars a season going forward by the way so he obviously feels he is going to be the central pillar in the Newcastle Knights moving forward is it just the fact they haven't got a complete team or good depth, or is it down to a couple of individuals? Probably all of those. You know, like Ponga getting 1.5. All this big cash puts the pressure on the player itself. And the uh, supporters and spectators mm. expect the, the $1.5 million effort every week, and it doesn't happen. He's a human being. And uh, it just doesn't, you know. Do you know what I'd do? Happen. Charlie, is a bit of a surprise tactic. If I was Nathan Brown... I'd pay Aidan Guerra $3 million a year. Yeah, boy, if you're losing $3 million. And what I, what I would do, the reason I would do it is because uh, Aidan would feel as though, oh, wow, I shouldn't be paid $3 million a year. I better try harder, which he needs to do. And then the rest of the team goes, why is Guerra getting way more money than me? I, I'm going to play way harder because I know I'm better than Aidan. Poor old Aidan. He's playing uh, Premiership Cup at the moment, but... The trouble is he's getting longer and if you watch him, when he plays the ball, he takes an age to get back into the line. He just puts his head down. He's always had that with him, <laughs> even when he played with the Roosters. And what was your nickname for him again, Dad? I can't remember. Tangles. <laughs> Tangles yeah, Guerra. Yeah, that's Because he correct. had the most ungainly running style of any rugby league player in the that's modern right. era. Seemed to sort of run in weird tumble turns. But, yeah, the... the, the um, with Tangles, at least he scored a try in the uh, grand final. So, 2013. Yeah, he should have retired after that. I'll buy him a beer just on the basis of that alone. Exactly. And also George Rose for letting him in, which was nice of him. I, it was the biggest gap known to mankind. <laughs> An elephant would have ran through it. but It was bigger than the Sydney heads. Well, at least Aidan saw that after about a minute and, <laughs> and he died over the line. I quite like that really uh, blatant forward pass that Maloney got as well. Remember the long-range try to Kenny Never Dow? saw it. I, I was a big fan of that. Thank you very much for letting that slide. Um, now, we're going to leave the Newcastle Knights. Another team that I think surprised me because um, I thought they'd fade away um, quicker than uh, Blake Ferguson's knee has. 
uh, and that is the Parramatta Eels. Now, they obviously started out the year on fire. They, they had a few great games until they played the Roosters. I think the round three and four brought them back to earth. And they've kind of gone up and down the whole season. Uh, but in the last month, they've actually gained a bit of momentum and they look very much entrenched in the top eight. Uh, are they a bit of a dark horse for you? Where do you see the Parramatta Eels? Because for me, I've got to say, they don't really worry me because I feel like they've overachieved, but maybe I've, I've missed the mark. I think you're right. They're, they're in and out with their form. Mitch Moses is actually playing the best year. I know, I'm surprised. Them. Yeah. Because yeah. normally he's going around just hating on everyone and, and abusing his own teammates. Well, that's your opinion, but anyway. But <laughs> Ferguson being out, uh, I think, and uh, no, but I'm not, Moses has been going well and, and Ferguson's been the, mm. the pinnacle of their revival, but I can't see them. You know, the, the, I've never really heard of a player going into hospital for a fairly menial thing and having his knee joint eaten away by some weird infection. Is, is Blake going to be back this year? Have you heard any inside word? I haven't heard any inside word on the worm, whatever it is eating away, but mm. I'm sure if he can, he'll be back. Blake's got a lot, very resilient character. Is there a chance that uh, if the worst thing happens and his, his knee's in fact gone, uh, that he comes back on crutches with just one leg. Because that's going to affect his kick returns, I think. I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> just a thought. I'm not sure. Because as you said, he's a, he's a very uh, competitive guy and he might come back. Um, he's played well before losing things. He lost hair ages ago and it didn't seem to affect his form at all. Um, I actually think that you're right. The, the Parramatta Eels, another person that you uh, haven't mentioned yet, I think... Um, Clint Gutherson has played very well in the last month. I find him very overrated. I don't. I can't. I don't know what it is about the bloke. He doesn't like passing the ball. Clint thinks he's going to do everything on his own. Mm. The best player they've got at the moment is Brown in the forwards. Yeah, he's, I love Brown, but his issue is he's always injured. Yeah, because he run. He plays the full capacity <laughs> yeah. game. You know, but Clint Gutherson. Oh God. Not a fan of old Clint. No, no, overrated. Well, you know, he scored. Didn't he score a hat-trick last game? No idea. Because <laughs> you, you just blotted him out. Like a like a, an ex-girlfriend you don't want to hear about anymore. Correct. You've deleted their, his Facebook. Don't want to hear any more from his social media. He's a bit like Teddy in his early days. He doesn't fancy passing football. Predictions? Uh, Parramatta Eels, where do you think they'll finish? And mm. where do you think they'll go in terms of the final series, if indeed they land in the finals? I'll probably be in the finals. I, I can't see him threatening the uh, the major players. Okay. So they'll bow out first week, you think? Well, you're putting words in my mouth. Oh, I'm just trying to prize it open, Dad. <laughs> dad? My, what was my name? Charlie. I, Charlie. I know you're my dad, so that's oh, not a secret. Oh, okay. I'm a bit worried because <laughs> it's very clandestine on this bloody podcast. <laughs> sure is, Eamon. Yeah, Russia's listening. <laughs> they were always listening. Um, now, another team that uh, I know you and I have spoken about off-air and we both uh, sort of foresee as threats in the upcoming final series, and that's the Manly Sea Eagles, uh, largely to do with uh, a pair of brothers who are a lot like the Stewart brothers, although they don't commit as many assaults off the field, which I think is obviously a positive. And, of course, I'm referring to the Draboyeviches, uh, Tom and Jake, how important are they to that Manly club? And do you think the Seagulls are a dark horse in this competition in 2019? They are a dark horse. And I don't want to pronounce their surname, but the Jake and Turbo, fantastic, <laughs> fantastic footballers. But uh, be an asset to any team. Is there any one of them that you think is more important? 
than the other. Like if you had to choose between, it's a bit like Sophie's Choice, isn't it? If you had to choose to execute one of them and you had to keep the other, who would you choose? Bloody execute. I'll take Jake. Really? So you're, you're kneeling Tom down and putting a bullet in the back of his no, head? No, I'm not pulling a bullet. That's you. What am I putting a bloody bullet in my head for? But Jake, <laughs> Jake says, so good in defence, you know. He's Tur- amazing. Turbo's brilliant, but you can, you can blot out b- brilliance. But you can't stop Jake from tackling. He's uh, 30, 50 or 60 tackles a game. And he's got that unusual style, doesn't he, where he tackles low. I mean, in the modern game, you don't get too many people tackling. They're usually about wrapping the ball up, stopping the momentum, and then wrestling you down. Jake has this kind of uh, refreshing throwback to the 80s where he just grabs you by the waist and buries you into the dirt. Well, Jake tackles who used to be trained to tackle. That's mm. a whole, it's not an unusual phenomenon, but it is in the last 20 years. He tackles properly. Just They can't run without legs, is the old saying. And, of course, Jake's now adopted a new strategy of not just not being able to let them run without legs, but now he's spearing them into the ground by the neck. So you can't run without heads either. Accidental. <laughs> it's happened a few times now in the last couple of weeks. I'm Two. wondering if it's going to be a recurring theme for old Jakey. I'm not sure. But I'm with you. I actually love the style. I love the fact that um, someone's reprising the more traditional go-around-the-waist legs and being effective with it. Um, although there's a little bit of lifting just in the last month, I've noticed. So hopefully that isn't something that creeps into his game. Bloody lifting me. If you're picking someone off the ground, of course you're bloody lifting them. And, and you know, at the beginning of the year, there was one uh, particular aspect of the Sea Eagles that made me think they absolutely had no chance. And that was looking at their outside backs because I was looking at the likes of Brad Parker. Um, I was looking at uh, Garrick, and I'd never heard of him at the time, and thinking, well, they're just no chance. But as it turns out, although Brad Parker got injured last round, he's had actually had an exceptional year. And Garrick is in the running for Rookie of the Year. Um, is this a team that we sort of underestimated, do you think, earlier in the year? But they're a bit of a surprise packet, or have they just overachieved? I think they've always been a little bit underestimated. They've got a good side, you know, mm. with the Jaboyevichs and uh, uh, Cherry Evans. and No, they're, they're a good side. Who's mm. the, the big bloke on the wing? Uh, George Tafua. George, old Georgie's always yeah. there. He's, he's always a huge solid. unit, isn't he? It's kind of like having one of those um, uh, Tarragos on the wing. It's almost like having a vehicle, like a people mover. Well, he's got the crash tackle down and mm. he's starting to worry. You know, the opposition's starting to look for him. Uh, now, for people at home, you don't know this, but I've got a cat um, who at the moment is just absolutely going nuts. It's like he wants to be on the podcast, isn't it? That's right, Eamon. But he's actually... Uh, Solid now, isn't it? Yeah. Hasn't yeah. moved towards the old uh, computer. He's chewing on the wires. He's jumping over the table. He's running back and forth for absolutely no reason uh, with no direction at all. And it's making me think um, that I've got Mitchell Pierce incarnate yeah. inside a yeah, pet. Well, we can change the name to Mitchell. Mm. And I have noticed this as well. Uh, he also has terrible service. He could well be Fits the Mitchell bill. Pierce. Yes. Um, so uh, to cap off that one, Charlie, the, the Manly Seagulls, are they a chance of threatening for the premiership? They are. They're, they're a bit of a dark horse. They're always going to be there. And uh, on their day, they can beat most, just about any team in the comp. Mm. All right. Well, I actually agree with you there. I think that the Eagles um, are one of those teams with an artillery that on, on their day, uh, especially with the Trebojevich brothers, um, can take it to any team. And as you said, you've got Cherry Evans controlling things. And the only thing that uh, the big black mark against their team for me, is the fact that they've got Dylan Walker playing for them, who I absolutely hate. Um, not just because of the way he plays on the field, because I think he's a bit of a dirty 
kind of mug player, but also obviously um, his off-field antics. Does that make you not like the Seagulls a little bit more? It certainly does for me. No, I don't, I don't think so, but he's, he's always a bit of a rocks and diamonds player, though. Yeah, that's right. Manly is the team. I, I, I think South are going to fall away. Yeah, Adam Reynolds didn't look too sharp, did he, last game? Well, he, he's playing injured, and then you've got the Burgess boys, and you know, they're a bit of a liability with them. And uh, no, I, I think Manly will probably get inside South. But do you think South will actually fall out of the top four, do you? I do think so. And That's I th- interesting. I, but it's, it seems to be fairly clear to me it's going to be a rematch of the grand final last year. The Raiders are the team, can uh, spoil the party. And what is it, Charlie, you like about the Raiders? I know I have a lot to like about them. The big thing that um, people have isolated this year is the fact that they've had these um, this English invasion. Um, it's like the English invasion of the 60s, but not music. Instead, it's um, forearms and just really tough tackling. Um, and I've really big, been a big fan of um, John Bateman as oh, well. Yeah, isn't uh, Bateman is it, a bit of what, a throwback character, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's from Ghostbusters, wasn't he? Wasn't he a Bateman? <laughs> I think that was Vakeman. Oh, Vakeman. <laughs> I was close. Bill Murray's character. But John Bateman, he's just that. It, it's, almost, it's not like he has a huge amount of size to him, but he plays well beyond that. He's and he's a rough-and-tumble player. He likes getting in people's faces. And even though he might seem like this guy is a bit of an enforcer and, um, you know, just there to intimidate, he's a smart kind of forward too, isn't he? He's, he's got a bit of skill factor about him. Do you think this English invasion could be the, um, the special source that Canberra need to take a premiership out in 2019? Certainly, because of them. And also Papali's playing the best year of his whole career. I've never seen him play so well. I completely agree with you because I've always thought, Josh Papali is a bit overrated. So do I. Until this year. I mean, the guy gets over the line a lot too now. Not only is he punching through um, in, in his runs, but he actually scores a fair bit. It's not, yeah, it's just, it's just that. And he's just, but he's consistent where he used to be, not consistent. He used to drop out. He's fitter. He is fitter. I agree with you. And and I know, I remember making some um, some pretty derogatory remarks towards Ricky Stewart at the beginning of the year because he came out pre-season and said, this year, we're going to focus on defence. And I remember thinking, well, if you haven't been doing that for the previous three or four years, you probably haven't been much of a coach because defence is kind of a big part of it. So I made a few snide marks, remarks at the time, but as it turns out, that is exactly what the Canberra Raiders have managed to do this year. So... He actually has put his money where his mouth is. The Canberra Raiders of old have always been a team that can attack. Um, they've been flamboyant, even without halves, which is quite phenomenal. Because to me, they've still got a big question mark over those halves. But this year, it's been their defence that's been the feature. And I think it has a lot to do with those English forwards. But is that the thing that you think might uh, present the biggest danger? The fact that they've actually moulded themselves into a steelier unit? I think it's a template for all the top sides. They all know. Even Robinson said uh, defence is the big thing. Mm. And if you can get 75% of your defence working, you're going to go a long way to winning the games, which to me is a bit boring because I, I hate – I'd rather focus on attack, but mm. the realities are the defence is the big key. And there's, a, there's stats on this, Charlie, because you know I think it's something like – eight of the last ten premiers have had the best defensive uh, statistic throughout the year. So clearly there is a correlation between 
been a great defensive unit and been able to take out the premiership. So um, I think that does make the Raiders a genuine premiership threat for me. Oh, for sure. Um, and, and I guess another little story, a bit of a sidelight for the Green Machine, has been the rise of a guy called Nickel Klockstadt. Not just because his name is amazing and he sounds like a villain who should be in the next Bond film, but also because he was unwanted at the New Zealand Warriors, uh, picked up for a song by the Raiders, and he's had a an amazing... Phenomenal. Yeah. Where do you see him being, um, I guess, his future? Do you think he's got a, a long future in the game? Can he get better? I mean, he's only just started, really. Of course he's going to get better. He's actually been phenomenal all year. And, uh, yeah, uh, a great buy, you know. Mm. He's been one of the uh, integral parts of the uh, reformation of the the Raiders. To me, it's up there with the buy that the Roosters made when we bought um, Terry Hermanson and Quinton Pongia in the mid-90s. And I remember thinking, wow, these guys in their late 30s are really going to turn things around for us. Um, obviously, it didn't happen, but I feel like it's up there with that. And there's a lovely little, little thing about that I like about uh, his first name's, I think, Chanze, by the, for the record, uh, Nickel Klockstadt. He almost looks like he could have been an extra out of The Last of the Mohicans or that movie Apocalypto. He's got that same kind of hairstyle, looks kind of friendly on the field, but you get the feeling that if you gave him one of those sort of, um, what do you call them, uh, tomahawks, um, he could have your scalp off. Yeah, run the gauntlet. And it sounds like you need a valley about um, Heyman. You couldn't see Nicholas Clock's at an apocalypse. And Hermanson, and they, didn't they call them the bookends back in the in the day? Well, they were the bookends, and um, unfortunately, it was a very boring bibliography and preface because nothing ever happened. I don't um, know why you brought their names up. It hurt me badly. Oh dear. That was back in the day when our recruitment uh, consisted of Paul Langmack as our star signing. I don't know if you ever remember that. I'll never forget this. I think it, I'm trying to think of the year. I think it was about ninety. Oh, I reckon it was like 96, 97. I can't remember. But um, it had Paul Langmack, Quentin Pongia, and I'm sure it was Terry Hermanson, and they'd each been brought in. And the headline was Triple Threat. And I knew from the beginning, this is a preseason mag for the Roosters, trying to G up its supporters about the year. I was deeply depressed. So was I. It was actually because <laughs> there was an ice cream out, out at the time called the Triple Treat. And oh. it wasn't a triple treat at all. What was that? Is that like the the, the fresco? <laughs> wasn't there an ice cream called the? Or was it the fresco? Can't remember. Don't don't make me talk about the bloody ice cream. No, there wasn't no, no, a let's just good. Let's go through early nineties ice cream snacks. No, the boomy. Does anyone else remember Streets Boomy? Had three f- fruits on it, and they were like sorbet. Is that a buffalo bill? No, that's always been around. Dad, the oh, staple. I love the love the Bubble A Bill. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know if anyone else notices this. The attention to detail. You know, Bubble A Bill has a hole in his hat when you eat it. Oh no, I didn't. No, you've never stopped to look at no. that. <laughs> look, this has drifted. So we're going to get back to rugby it, league. My God. <clears throat> now, my there's God. a couple of other teams I want to isolate in this analysis, um, and one of them is the Penrith Panthers. Uh, they're roving around the bottom half of the eight. Do you feel they're a chance at all? Um, last week they got away with a win. No Jim Maloney, he comes back this week. They're always there. They can produce on the day, but they're not consistently producing. That's the trouble with them. Um, and the young bloke will fill in for uh, Maloney. I don't know what his name is. He had a first game. Wasn't he great? Enormous game. And uh, he made um, the little halfback play his best game of the, of the year. He was Cleary. amazing. Clear, he had his best game. 
his name's Matt Burton, and apparently I think he's from Dubbo, and I think he brought That's half right. of Dubbo with him. Um, I actually think, you know when you get that sense of a player, and there's only a few occasions that I can think about it, for some reason, um, one of them was Carmichael Hunt, and he played his, his debut game for Brisbane, and he just looked like he'd been there for 10 years. You know they, they, those players that play their first game and they just look like they're established yeah. from day one? That is such a rare thing because even great players that go on to be amazing often are not that great in their first game. Well, that's right. My first and he was a flick from the, the dogs. That's yeah. right. Here's a fun fact for you, Dad. I went out to the Roosters uh, in the late 90s watching a finals game. I think we were playing the dogs at the time. We lost. I think it was 99. And... John, a young Jonathan Thurston was playing in the reserve grade team for the Canterbury Bulldogs that day, and I think he scored a double. And I went, who's this guy in the blue headgear? Quite like him. Went on to become Jonathan Thurston. And it is another little fun fact. The uh, grand final that they... But he was Jonathan Thurston. Did he well, he went on... <laughs> that is very true. It's not like he was playing as Dave Gray. Ugly Dave, Dave Gray. He could have been playing as Dave Brown. <laughs> and he changed his name to Jonathan Thurston. It became a lot better. That's not what happened. Uh, but it is important to note that um, when we lost to the Dogs in 2004, uh, Jonathan Thurston was behind another number six called Brathen Astor. He couldn't get a run at the time. That's right. Uh, I think I'm going to go out on a limb and say Thurston went on to become a better player. <laughs> Don't start me on that. <laughs> but no, Matt Burton looks like he's one of those guys for sure. He's sort of a rangy. He's quite a big half. He's quite oh. tall and rangy and he's going to get bigger. But um, all, all class, and I thought he made a difference out there, actually. Yeah, I think game. all the clubs would be looking at him if he's not signed. I love it. You know, what an acquisition to any team for a young player. I agree with you. And, and, and actually, in that game, they sunk a big stake into the heart of the, the Cronulla Sharks because I don't know if you, <clears throat> you've watched the game a long time, Dad. And for me, I've never seen this in one season. But I think it's six or seven games now that the Cronulla Sharks have either scored as many or more tries than their opposition mm. and lost. Um, that was another game. I think they scored the same amount of tries as the um, as the Penrith Panthers. Let's just double-check there. Yeah, four tries apiece, and yet they lost by six points. I mean, what's going on there? There's a weird irony because the Sharks actually have a ton of goal kickers, but they can't kick a goal. I think that's the trouble. They've got too many goal kickers and probably not practising enough. They should single out one, maybe two, and that's it. Forget the other three. Mm. Have a shootout. and uh, Like I, a literal I, shootout? Should they get handguns? And between Johnson no, and I, Moylan and Townsend? That. I'm ignoring that. <laughs> I think that's the only way to do it. Fly them into America where handguns are compulsory and have them <clears throat> march at 10 paces, turn around, just with Cougar Magnums, and just unload, and whoever the last person standing is, you go, well done, you're going to be kicking the conversions. So they're going into a Walmart store, okay, and buying (laughs) buying something, and you get a free shotgun when you buy a product in there, apparently. That's amazing. In America, you can. You can go in to a Walmart, and you go, cool, I'll just have the socks, please. And they go, do you want a shotgun with that? And you go, okay. All right, that's an interesting impulse item, but okay. Oh, it's the icing on the cake, isn't it? <laughs> and, and once you've got the shotgun, you're probably going, oh, I'll probably have about 19 rounds as well, please. Can I have some of that ammo? Yeah, it's a bit cheap, isn't it? You know, it's yeah. only a dollar, dollar a cartridge. You go in there because you've got some holes in your socks and you come out armed like your dirty Harry. It's a but bit funny, weird. In America, they've got no money, yet they can fire, get a gun 
fire 100 bullets a minute. Hmm. About a do- that's $100 a minute. And, and they're living on the breadline. Go figure. We, we, we realise that the, the Penrith Panthers might not be the threat, but where do we feel, uh, or where do we sit, rather, with the Cronulla Sharks? Now, to me, uh, we've had a bit of discussion about this already, but I actually think they're the dark horse. Now, I actually, I mean, they're sitting just outside of the eight, so that might sound unusual to say, but to me, they could have won another six or seven games and be well entrenched in the top four right now. But down to their goal kicking, they're not. Um, they're rolling into a bit of a rhythm. I know they lost last game, um, but I get the feeling when they've got their whole complement there and they're actually going to kick some goals, they're going to be a tough team to beat. But you've got some other thoughts on that. You don't see them as a threat, do you? Well, I do to a degree. Not a serious threat. They've got some great players, but they've got too many rocks and diamonds players like Josh Dugan, Fafida. You know, you don't know what they're going to do from one, mm. one game to the next. Wade Graham's a champion player. How good is Wade Graham? That's a, and now, you, you just can't, in this era now, you can't have a player, you don't know how they're going to perform from one week to the other. You've got to be solid every week. What is Andrew Fafita's problem? Because, you know, there are times where it just feels like he's not, it doesn't feel like he's running out to play a game of football. He's thinking, oh, I'm going to knock over a, a 7-Eleven today. It was like he's almost one step away from pulling on a balaclava and, and trying to, you know, rustle down the other team for some cash. Because he, he, he plays that illegally sometimes. You just go, well, of course that's a penalty, Andrew. Why are you doing that? He gives away 19 penalties. What is it in his game? Because occasionally he can turn up and just go, I'm going to win you the game by myself. Well, he infamously lost a game about two weeks ago when he with the penalty. Mm. But, um, you know, he just, uh, he hasn't got much between the old, old head. He hasn't got much of a brain. He's got a peanut for a brain. That's the problem. <laughs> He's very talented. Mm. I mean, I guess infamously as well, uh, at least for the Melbourne Stormers, Andrew Fafita was a person that kind of changed the grand final. Back in uh, right. 2016. Yeah, with a pass around the scrum base, yeah. And, and yeah, he plunged under he, the posts. He had a moment, <coughs> yeah, but you can't just have one moment. You know, so, you're uh, right. Admittedly, he was on the big stage, but you've got to produce that now every week, and he doesn't. He, Todd Byrne had one moment. It was a bad one, remember? Yeah. He got taken out. Yeah, he just opened up the wounds. Thank that you still know. hurts me, you know. It's, it, well, it hurts you, does it, really? I swear at one point... You're not on your own there. <laughs> Sat, it may immortalise Sattler, the, one of the worst locks known to mankind. <laughs> yeah, no, oh. you know what? He was that guy that was considered just below average. I would have got him. But almost got Todd Byrne. retired an immortal on the back of that one he, tackle. He did. I know. And you're right, I actually would have backed myself to take out Todd that day. You know, you got the uh, nickname of Treadmill Todd after that game, and it never, it stuck. It, it only lasted in the competition another three years. Poor old Todd. What's he doing now, Todd? I don't know. He's probably still stuck on the mud. Do you think he's working at a checkout somewhere but doing it really slowly? He might be running on the spot. It'd be more like it. <laughs> I like to think of him as a, in a, at a Kmart store, maybe working in the audiovisual department, and he's going, oh, mate, can I have this DVD, even though they don't exist anymore? And he goes, no worries. And he just can't scan the barcode properly. Well, maybe he's just trying to replay, trying to buy up all the replays of that moment and, and erase them. Ah, uh, so that would be Todd Starr, wouldn't it? To think that all the replays are on DVD, even in 2019. Well, he reached immortality through uh, his transgression. I, I've act, I'd actually really like to buy the statue 
of Todd Byrne being taken over the sideline by Scott Sattler just to have it as maybe as a bit of a fountain feature in my living room? No, I wouldn't. Sorry. <laughs> but instead of water, it's just bleeding blood from the eyeballs of Todd Byrne. Well, you'd have it out of Penrith, of course. <laughs> Nothing in the eastern suburbs. Big shout out to Todd if you are indeed listening. And by the way, I'd love to interview you. Yeah, enjoy retirement. <laughs> Uh, look, that's going to bring us to the end of the analysis. I want to hear one final prediction. Who are the grand finalists and who will win the premiership? It's going to be, repeat, my opinion of last year. It's going to be uh, the Roosters playing the Storm and I think the Roosters will win again. Okay, well, I hope you're right, obviously, as a as a Roosters fan. Um, and I, But I actually don't hope you're right about the opposition. I hope for some reason we're playing the Gold Coast Titans. That seems like a more fortuitous grand final appearance. Uh, maybe all the other 15 teams can be done for salary cap breaches and they're just pushed in there by default. That's a good way to finish this conversation, <laughs> isn't it? Do you know how I want to finish it, Charlie? Um, and a very non-rugby league related note, um, I like to finish with at least one anecdote from you because you have plenty of them. Uh, and one of my favourite stories is the one you tell about uh, back in the day when when you got paid from a job, you didn't have it all come through by electronic funds transfer these days. You had it done by cheque back in the day. Right. Um, and you'd have to turn up to the bank to actually go That's and cash in I, your cheque. When I was a probationary, yes. Probably. I don't know the exact details. But what happened this one time, uh, I am just springing this on you, but this one time when someone in front of you uh, was taking a long time at the window. Can you, can you tell the listeners about this moment? Because I quite enjoyed it. Oh, I was at the bank in Bondi Road, if you must know. You're 15 listeners out there. Thank you. It's 12 now. And this bloke was a bit fidgety in front of me. And I said, you know, in those days, you got to uh, at the um, bank your checks. So I'm waiting, waiting. And and he was just being a complete goose, this bloke. And I said, what's he doing? You know, come on, hurry up. So I, started, I poked him a couple of times. Anyway, I finally got to the counter and... Wait, before you get there, I love the idea of I poked him a few times. Well, so someone's taking a bit too long at the window well, and yeah. you think, I know what I'll do, I'll poke him. Well, I'm trying to push him towards doing what he was supposed to be doing, okay. whatever he's doing. So physically manhandling him through the transaction. I just pushed him and just brushed him a bit. You know? His head into the window? No, I didn't. Okay, just him. checking. So you're just poking him. That's please a, please a proceed. Salt. That's assault. As in assault mine, that's assault. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so... I finally got up to the counter and uh, the, the teller, the female, was just standing there at attention. I said, here's my cheque. And she's just looking at me, standing there at attention. And uh, I said, aren't you going to take my cheque? She said, we've just been robbed. I said, what do you mean by robbed? And even when I looked around the bank, everyone's standing still, white-faced. And he'd, he'd robbed the bank, this lunatic, and gone out the, st- got out the door in the Bondi Road. Wasn't my fault. I didn't know. I, I love your. Why, t- that's why the lunatic was agitated. He must have been showing him some sort of bloody. Note. Well, I'm sure he had a gun, Dad. He probably had a sword-off no, shotgun. Never and you're a, poking him from behind. Don't embellish. I didn't see a gun or a shotgun. You didn't see it, but you also didn't see the bank being robbed, Dad. Well, well, so maybe just saying you had a bit of tunnel vision. And I'm, the listeners may not know this. You're, you're a very, you're a legendarily impatient person. That's right. Um, if you've ever seen my dad in traffic or waiting in a line, 
Um, it's basically... I look for plan B. <laughs> imagine a tiger being relentlessly shocked with a taser gun. And that's the kind of anger that you're going to get. So for you to be standing in a line at the bank, I'd say at four o'clock on a Friday, you're already fairly irate. Um, so I can see the kind of tunnel vision that you might have had. But I love the idea of a bank being robbed and you cajoling the person, the mm-hmm. robber, in the ribs by poking him. Yeah, well, I just pushed him a couple of times. <laughs> I didn't know. How would you know if someone was robbing? How would you know bank? if a bank was being robbed? No. Is that your question? <laughs> Until I got up to the counter and everyone stand to attention with white faces, then I knew there's something going on. Oh, and on that very, very strange note, Charlie, thank you again for joining the Voluntary Tackle. It's been a pleasure. We'll see you again soon. I hope not. Well, the voluntary tackle, it is um, with great pleasure. Uh, this is a, a new chapter for us. Um, we've discovered, A, that we, we have a fan, um, and he's on the line with us now, and B, uh, he's actually willing to speak with us. So it's a bit of a double shock. Um, can you please welcome Media Watch Mario to the show? I like the way I've done that, like there's an audience, but there isn't one. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, come on. I'm, 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 we know that big T loosens. Yeah, exactly. One, i got to say, one day I might even play around with the idea, Mario, of just shipping in a live audience into my living room um, of, I don't know, people that don't have any other lives, so probably geriatrics, and just have okay, them... Get your dad, get your dad in to, cheer, to jeer us or something. <laughs> Mate, he doesn't need any extra excuse, I can tell you that, old Charlie. Um, you know how they say, you know, your parents are generally pretty supportive. Um, I, I have distinct memories when my old man turned up uh, to watch my games, because uh, I was a fairly mediocre player, um, as I am at most things in life, and um, all he did at the end was give me a big long list of all the things I fucked up. And I enjoyed it, to be <laughs> nice. honest. <laughs> it toughened me up, Mario. It, it might explain a lot about you now, you know. <laughs> I suppose, doesn't everyone's parenting describe us, you know, give us a good idea of how we turned out? I think so. In a weird way, I think they are a sort of psychological imprint of all the bad things that you're ever going to be. Which is a pretty, no that's a pretty bleak outlook, isn't it? Oh, that's, that's just the way it is these days. That's modern society. We're, we can't, we're not allowed to laugh at milk crates anymore, so we've got to just focus on being negative. Exactly. And look, um, I'm going to jump on the bandwagon, and that's what the voluntary tackle is all about, frankly. Um, so, Mario, look, mate, we'll have a little bit of a, um, a run-through. I was interested to pick your brains on, uh, I guess, which teams you think are going to be um, genuine contenders in the run-in, and also just talk about a few little bits and bobs um, that I've noticed during the week. Um, I will say this. I wanted to also mention a big shout-out to another uh, fellow NRL podcast, Sports Best Friends. I heard a few episodes back uh, you actually made an appearance on that show, mate, and I have to say I was very impressed. Oh, clearly the best episode they've ever had. <laughs> Nothing to do with me, of course, but Sam, Sam Warden was obviously a star. Mate, it was a Hall of Famer. Um, and and so what was the... I've, I've always got the idea of what that studio looks like. Is it um, is it sort of dank and dark and bleak? A few milk crates, a few craft beers? Oh, I'm not going to... I better not peel back the curtain too far, but it, it was... I was impressed by the the setup, actually. It was better than I expected. I, it wasn't, a, you know, the standard your mum's basement sort of thing that, you know, podcasts are supposed to be. Yeah, no, well, I like, I like the fact you've left uh, the listeners with a little bit of intrigue as well. So big shout out there to Sports Best Friends. If you're not on that uh, train already, please do get on. Um, now, also apologies, Mario. I have been battling a cold this week, so I know I sound, <clears throat> I'm trying not to sound a bit like Gary Larson with Black Lung. Um, so just try to bear with me there. 
Um, so I, I guess, and you know, another little thing before I get yeah. onto the games, I get distracted so easily. Um, but I also, I had no idea what you sounded like. So that was sort of a part of the peeling back of the curtain. Cause I was expecting with a name like Mario that you might've sounded a bit like Silvio Berlusconi, but I was actually pleasantly surprised. You're quite Australian. If I did put on a, you know, a good, a good Italian accent, so, well, good might be very subjective anyway. I, I don't, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'd probably get called out for racism or something, stereotyping. Mate, not on this show, as you well know. <laughs> this is what I would call a safe space, uh, especially for bigots. So please get involved. Um, Absolutely. With only three people listening, I'd be fine. Yeah, exactly. It's certainly not going to go viral, I can tell you that much. Um, and I, Just another thing. Is this something, this is obviously this, uh, the third podcast, I believe, that you've appeared on. Is this a part of a strategy in your life, Mario, to potentially bounce around from podcast to podcast, almost like an extremely niche Airbnb? I, was, I, I like to think of myself more of the podcasting town bike. Oh, I love that. That's great. It's got a nice sort of air of horror about it. Absolutely. <laughs> and and I got to say, I mean, look, I'm. It sounds strange to say it, but I'm not uh, terribly. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm fairly new to the world of podcasts. It's only been a few years since I've discovered it, and it's been amazing. I mean, has this always been a part of your life? Do you, I mean, you, I'm sure you have better knowledge of NRL podcasts than I do. Oh, I do listen to far too many of them, but I mean, I. I, I was a bit of a latecomer to podcasting. My brother had been listening to uh, another podcast this week in league for years and had to nag, nag, nag me. And it was only when we were on a plane together and with, you know, uh, mid-2000s level in-flight entertainment that back in 2014 this was, and he and he basically forced me to listen to this podcast and I was found myself in hysterics and was instantly hooked and had to get on Twitter as, as a result of... Think, of thinking, you know, this is these guys deal through Twitter, so that's where I need to be. Yeah, right. And and then of course, Twitter has been. Um, would I be right in saying you've had a, um, a sort of polarizing relationship with Twitter? You, I know you've had your, your run-ins with the administrators there. Um, how do you? What What are your thoughts on Twitter as a medium? I, I, I like Twitter more than Twitter likes me. Beautifully phrased, mate. You're a modern day poet. Before we um, get on to. I guess, you know, looking at the rest of the year, I just wanted to know, I guess, how did you get involved with Rugby League? Have you always been a massive fan or, like, from the beginning? Pretty much. I always wanted to play Rugby League as a kid. My mum would not let me, and so every chance I would get in school sports and stuff, I'd play, but I was never allowed to join a team until I was out of school. And then, for some reason, I was playing soccer and rugby. And I'm not sure why I did choose that. It's just some idea that went in my head, but I was always following rugby league. That was always my number one sport. Yeah, right. But... Yeah. My first game I ever watched was the 1986 grand final, and for some reason I kept watching after that debacle. Well, mate, that's even... Uh, I guess that's a, you've got a memory that goes back a little bit longer than me. I think my first memory was the 89 grand final for some reason, and... Well, see, that's a much better one. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's probably what got me hooked in. I probably watched ones that were earlier, but for whatever reason, they just haven't stuck in the memory bank. But, um, you know, obviously the you know the Benny Elias uh, field goal attempt off the black dot is something that's seared in my brain. But what is it about rugby league, you think, that makes it the number one for you? Is it the brutality? Is it John Hopawati? Definitely not John Hopalani, <laughs> although I will admit before he went downhill, I was, I was a fan. I did enjoy watching him you know, carving up various teams in his day, but I'm definitely a fan of his courtroom work. Um, I find every time he leaves a courtroom and he bashes a reporter, 
I think he does it in a stellar fashion. He's got, I suppose you could say he's just the more extreme rugby league version of Nick Kyrgios, couldn't you? You could say that, yeah. Certainly far more assault charges. And um, But you're right, there's certainly some symmetries. I, I mean, the thing about, you know how we say, you know, rugby league's a rough and tumble game and, and you've got to have, get over that fear factor to play. When you're playing John Hopawati, I try to put myself in the shoes um, of someone who was lining up against him. That would be genuine fear, wouldn't it? Because you wouldn't actually know what Hopper was going to do. Because, you know, there are a set of rules out there that govern the rest of the, the players. But with John Hopawati, he sort of just ventured outside of those fairly regularly and went, well, if I knee him in the balls or attempt to rape this player, I think that's kosher. Um, and that's genuine fear if you're the opposition. It, it is, but I would suggest that if I was playing now, I'd be just as frightened of what Cam Smith would do because he'll get away with it. Whereas <laughs> at least was overt. Mate, you know, um, being well aware of you, if you can hear that clanging in the background, that is my cat uh, who doing some strange stuff in the background. Nothing weird, don't worry, nothing sexual, just knocking shit off the mantelpiece for some reason. I but, don't think we knew that you had a furry cobra that's peeling the, mate, peeling yeah. the back a little bit. Little morsels, Mario, I'll give you little morsels and uh, that's about it. Mate, I, I, I was going to get into your Cam Smith hatred. Now, this is, seems to be fairly on the record, um, that Cameron Smith is your devil character in life. Um, I mean, for obvious reasons, I'm pretty sure I know the answers to these, but I want you to answer anyway. Why is he at the top of your hit list? Why is your disdain for Cameron Smith so high? There's just so many little things, but um, and honestly, all honestly, my hatred for him at the time when I saw him run his knee into the back of Jared Croker when he was already hobbling from a knee injury and just very intentional, absolutely no doubt what he intended to do and just commentators, no one cared, you know, refs, no one, just totally fine. And it's really from there that I've genuinely hated him. Before that, it was kind of like, you know, he's a storm player, he's the head of the storm, I'm a Manly fan, I have to hate him, etc. But I didn't really feel it. Yeah, until not, he attempted. Not so strongly. Yeah, well, when you do attempt to uh, permanently disable an opposition player, that that does raise the stakes a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, it, like if he's doing that to Josh Maguire or Matt Lodge, I'm going to say more power to you, Mr. Smith. You know, you you hurt them, but you doing to someone like Jared Croker, who's just a you know, he's just a decent, he's a decent first grader, a bit bit above average, and mm. just seems like a good bloke, honest toiler. Doesn't deserve that shit. I agree with you, mate. And in fact, doing croak is probably a little bit worse because I feel like he's almost a bit infirmed as well. He's, um, you know, he struggles with the athletics a little bit. You call him a toiler. I think that's been charitable. But, you know, I think you're right. He's almost, uh, I guess, pushed an old lady into oncoming traffic by having a go at poor old Jared. Pretty much. Well, I, I ran at Jared Croker on Twitter the other day and Canberra fans did not enjoy it. So I'm just being a little more polite. This time. <laughs> there you go, mate. Look, you're a diplomat from way back. No, but I, I agree with you, mate. I think Cameron Smith, um, I, you're certainly not alone, obviously, but um, it is the, it's not the stuff he does in the game. Everyone, you know, his prowess at being able to manage a game is probably unprecedented, but... Um, it's that stuff he does off the ball, the twisting of the knees, um, when someone drops a mouth guard, putting it into your sock, um, you know, attempting to you know, twist the nipples of other players, all that kind of stuff. Not a big fan of that myself. Not, not such a fan. There's a sort of person I just know that when I've played, uh, played these games, I just couldn't stand those players. Whereas someone like a, a Josh Reynolds or a, or a um, Michael Ennis, 
I kind of hated them, but I still would have had a laugh with them after the game. Whereas Smith, it's so much more contrived and controlled. And mm. I just know that I would have absolutely hated him to play against him, to play with him. Didn't matter. I've had, I've played games with people like that on my team and I've always hated them. It's never been a case of, oh, well, as long as they're not doing it to me, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You, you stand on your principles. Damn right. That's why I hate <laughs> Adam Fanua Blake and Dylan Walker probably more than I hate just about anyone else. Yeah, it's tough to like Dylan Walker, isn't it? I, you know, I think when you're, you're talking the optics of something bad is when you've obviously had that alleged, we should say, um, assault charge, um, and then you return to training, uh, immediately start laughing at the media's cameras saying, you know, I'm back, baby. Um, yeah. That certainly rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way because, you know, let's face it, a lot of people thought there was a, a bit more fire than smoke there. I, I think I think we can safely say that. Yeah, allegedly, Dylan. Allegedly, allegedly, Dylan. All right, <laughs> just for the record. Um, but no, on Cam Smith, I'm not sure if he had the uh, the privilege to, or, um, in fact, uh, uh, the pain uh, of listening to uh, Cameron Smith on the Matty Johns podcast, Mario. But on that, uh, Matty actually put the question to him uh, about him his influence on referees, and he vehemently denied that he had any influence on referees. Like he was. Uh, pretty adamant about that, but it seems like there's a lot of evidence to the contrary. I don't think Matthew Johns even believed him, but Smithy being Smithy, he brought him round. Um, do you think he has a genuine impact on referees? I mean, or is that sort of more of the theatre of everything? Look, I thought, I honestly think that it's more just their storm are sort of, they've always been the protected species. Billy Slater sliding in, studs up, drop-kicking people to the head and stuff and never being in trouble for it. There's kind of just people that are favourites of the NRL. Someone like Sam Burgess, he's been charged 100 times but only been suspended for 10 weeks total. The guy clearly deserves more than that, but that's life. Yep. And Cam Smith has always been one of those people and for whatever reason, the refs have this hit list, which has been confirmed in various places that refs do have a you know a list of players that they are more likely to penalise. James Maloney being an example. Yep. For and sure. Cam Smith is obviously not that person. So I, I've always thought that that influencing the refs thing is a touch overstated. Mm. It's just more that he just does what he can and he, what he can get away with, but he's just a bit more of a bastard about it than other players. <laughs> no, I think that's a pretty pretty well put. I, I did love the. Sam Burgess comment that he's not a dirty player when he left the judiciary the other day. It struck me as almost like, I don't know, Osama bin Laden saying, mm, I don't really hate the Western world. It, it just seemed, <laughs> it, just, it didn't seem very contextually accurate. But, um, but I mean, so that's a really good stat. I, I didn't know that. So he's only been suspended 10 weeks, Sam Burgess, in his entire career? Yeah. Which it seems like that's nothing. You know, the things he's crazy. Done, Mark Geyer would have copped 40 weeks in total for that stuff. I know. You're right about that. That's something that I, um, I, I'd i miss that because I know he's been charged, obviously, about 38,000 times. Uh, yeah. But, but to be only serving 10 weeks, there's something, something's going to rye there. Um, well, one obvious one with Sam Burgess a couple of years back was Daily Cherry Evans threw a ball and in a genuinely late hit, not one of these, you know, Luke Garner late hits that not late at all, mm. um, Burgess came in late with an elbow to DCE's head and Cherry just hopped straight up and got on with it and so nothing happened but if he stayed down got a concussion and stuff it should have been you know 12 week sort of suspension but 
because it was leading with the elbow. It was ridiculous. But anyway. Uh, you know, it's a big th- big part of the game at the moment. It's sort of, I guess, going towards soccer a little bit. The kind of the theatrics of players. I don't know if you've noticed. I'm sure you have, where obviously yeah. they're coming down on the crusher tackle. So that players are getting wise to that and holding their necks and their spines uh, under any kind of duress or minor duress that there is. It, this seems to kind of be a, a bad precedent. It strikes me as a bad precedent. We don't want players kind of pretending to be injured, do we? I hate it so much, but it is inevitable. The more money is involved in sport, the mm. more they're going to do it. And that's why soccer, you know, is a sport with so much money. People stay down because they can. And you see it in NFL uh, right now as well. Quarterbacks get hit, they stay down, they get, they get a you know, penalty to their team. It's crazy, right? I mean, imagine players like Tommy Radonikus watching the game today what they must think of that. Because back in the day, you could basically pack down into a scrum, pull out a concealed crowbar, knock someone's teeth out, and they'd be penalised for bleeding too much. You know, I mean, it's well, it's come a long way. And it's also funny, what a uh, saying you hear a lot is, oh, geez, come on, guys, we're not playing netball. But anyone goes and watches a netball game, especially at the you know international level, those girls are smashing each other flying in the air, hitting the ground, and they just get up instantly every time. They're way tougher than these modern rugby league players. <laughs> Mate, you've, I think you really do have a point. And, and then a weird thing about netball too, very bad for your knees. Like it's oh, a structure. I know. Yeah. I, I used to play. I had to stop because it screwed my knees. Oh, mate, it's the worst thing in the world. Yeah, I've played a bit of mixed netball. Just, you know, again, peeling back a little bit more of the curtain. Um, <laughs> I, I own a cat. I've played mixed netball. Um, I'm, I'm certainly drawing a very uh, masculine image of myself for the world. But, um, <laughs> You're actually a crazy cat lady. <laughs> yeah, I, I have man boobs that I hope one day will lactate. Um, so, yeah, no, but I mean, it is a tough game to, to play. I played centre. This is, this is a weird question that wasn't certainly in my uh, figuring, but what, what position, Mario, did you play in mixed netball? I certainly started out as a centre because I was always, you know, the fastest person and stuff, so they just assumed I should be a centre and I was okay at that, but then I ended up moving into goal defence because that's where I thought I'd be best. Yep. And then it's by necessity in a game I got moved into goal shooter just because our shooter got injured and I turned out to be better at it than our goal shooter and then I stayed there the rest of the season and we won the grand final. Mate. So that was... That was a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> You're like the, the guy who just puts on the cape and doesn't realise he's amazing at a particular... I mean, that that's never happened to me, to be honest. I've never found a skill. <laughs> the thing is, I used to play basketball a fair bit as a kid, mm. and I was terrible at it. I could shoot threes, but I couldn't shoot twos to save my life. Put me up near the ring, yeah. I would miss every time. Yet for some reason in netball, I could just pot them. That's I mean, amazing. It, it is easier because it's slow and, it, you know, you, it's a lot more prepared for shots in netball and is in basketball so I think it is a lot easier to do but even still mm. any time I play basketball I just can't take layups and stuff I just I miss <laughs> was, part, was part of it Mario and be honest with me wearing the bib maybe that's where a lot of the skill came from when the moment you put the bib on uh, and I, I don't know if I've got the right name there but you know the little bib you put on like wing attack and all the yeah. rest of it um, was that something when you put that bib on did you go I was meant to be here I think that once I had a bib on, I felt like I was a little baby and I felt safe. Here's my true story. First game I ever played mixed netball, they blew the whistle. I took an intercept because I was playing centre and I just took a shot from downtown, which I worked out late. Very quickly, you can't do. It's against the rules. And just the faces, it was like not just my own teammates who looked disappointed, but everyone. They just thought, who's this this tall guy fucking it all up for us? (laughs) Not taking it seriously. 
I can tell you a similar one was the first time I ever played a touch footy in an actual comp, and I thought already thought I was king shit because I've always been pretty quick, but I knew nothing about the rules and stuff of touch footy. Yeah. And and uh, you know about two three minutes in, we get the ball right on the opposition's try line, and I take it from dummy half and I dive over to score. And everyone looks at me like I'm such a moron. I'm going, what I scored? They go, you have to pass. What? What kind of stupid rule is that? So I learned that pretty quickly. Oh, yeah, mate. Everyone thought I was an idiot. But, and you, you're probably thinking, why are they all hanging off me? I must have great, yeah. like, guile. Um, yeah, like, wow, I was so quick. <laughs> <laughs> mate, um, I don't want to digress too much. I do want to finish off, just put a bit of an exclamation point on the Cameron Smith um, thing there because he's about to retire. And uh, knowing that Cameron Smith <laughs> is someone that can... Well, we hope he is. He's playing on next year. So when I say he's about to, I don't mean imminently. Um, he looks as though he's definitely playing next year at the very least. But, it, you know, I mean, he's been playing for 38 years, so it's, it's relatively soon. Um, but when he retires, Mario, where do you see Cameron Smith going to? Because, you know, for me, he strikes me as someone that has a lot of transferable skills. I think that, you know, the way he's been able to influence referees, influence plays, influence the media, um, he's a very persuasive type of character. And I don't know, I get the feeling he'll be pretty successful post-footy. Well, I, I assume he is, and the joke, of course, is he's going to be the rest boss. But I think it's just—I think it's—you would think that he's likely to be the next coach of Melbourne, wouldn't you? Actually, that's a great one. Although I did hear him interviewed recently, and he said he'd never go near coaching, which I thought was really, really interesting. He said he'd love to be involved in footy, but he could never be a head coach. He said he couldn't take that kind of um, too much responsibility or something, but. I agree with I'd you. I'd love to have him there as a good excuse for me to continue hating Melbourne. <laughs> exactly. Like you need another one. Um, but no, I agree with you. I mean, he could be a kind of guy, though, Mario, that might just be successful in general play. I can imagine him being the type of person that might be able to wrangle a really good superannuation package when he's old and retired because he's he's able to influence people. Um, you know, I, I know that he was um, even... I don't know, he's losing the battle of the hair. I don't know if you've noticed that as well. He's losing a few follicles on the top, uh, aren't we all? Um, but I get the feeling he could be even um, that type of guy that might be able to even convince his own head of hair to grow back. Uh, I would like to see him try and perhaps with a bit of help from, you know, one Chip Jones, he could be the next leader of the Palmer United Party and perhaps be the next, the first Prime Minister not from one of the two major parties. Mario, what would Cam Smith have to do for him to get back in your good books? Is there anything that he could ever do to redeem himself in your eyes? If he walked up to Donald Trump and bitch-slapped him on TV, I would then be a Cam Smith fan forever. That's all it would take. I like the way I said that's all it would take. That'd be tough to do. (laughs) That's all, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we can line that up for him. Okay, I like that. So there is a precedent then. It's not like he's irredeemable in your eyes. He hasn't, you know... As far as I know, he hasn't, you know, gone full Jack the Bell and allegedly on anyone. So I'm not going to say he's completely irredeemable. All right, fair enough, mate. What if he was, um, you know, I don't know, to give you a very non-sexual foot massage, for example, like just reflexology, made your bunions feel human again? Could that get you in his, in his good books again? If he put his face that close to my foot, I think I'd have to kick him in the face. <laughs> Yeah, and that is justifiable assault too, isn't it? That's not your fault. I'd probably break a toe and then I'd be injured because of him, so I'd hate him more. I'm just going to quickly uh, run through uh, and pick your brains, mate, as to which teams you think are going to make a bit of a dent in the finals. Um, And I just thought I'd run from the top here. 
Um, the Knights, and I know that they're probably only mathematically in. Um, do you see them at all having any chance of making the finals? I don't. I think they'd be, they'll be doing very well to even finish in the top ten. I, I had tipped against them this weekend until I heard that Tal Malolo was out. So I've gone back to tipping the Knights. So yeah, he's out. He's out with a foot injury, isn't he, Tal Malolo? I believe so. Yeah. Look, what's gone wrong there? They had a really weird season, right, where they started off shocking. Uh, They lost a lot of tight games. And then they had that big run in the middle, obviously, around Origin. They did a bit of the New Zealand Warriors trick. Um, But the wheels have have well and truly come off. Is If you had to hang um, your hat on someone for the blame, uh, not someone, or or at least it could just be a particular aspect, what's gone wrong at the Newcastle Knights? even do it because the, the easy answers are it's either Brown's fault or it's Pierce's fault but I don't think it is Pierce has always been Pierce he's kind of he's still the same player as he was at the Roosters nothing's changed Ponga still does Ponga things but I would think that it's more that if anything it's not his fault but the opposition have worked Ponga out a lot and he gets you know he's always got one highlight per game but he kind of doesn't do that much else mostly mm. and I think when they're sort of relying on him to do everything and there's just there's not much else there. You look at the team; they had a bit of a run where they managed to get wins, and you know they were they were looking okay. But they're not that great a team. There's plenty of players there that aren't really first grade quality, in my opinion. Yeah, mate, I think that's pretty good. I mean, when you've got Aiden Guerra running around out there every now and again, you just think mm, I th- I'm going to have to question their depth. Yeah, 2019 Jamie Bura. You know, <laughs> he, he should be in second division English rugby league, not in first grade. NRL. Remember that time he made Origin, and he looked shocked yeah, to uh, be there. <laughs> he looked. He, he looked. I think he looked lost. He didn't have um, his best friend, Cal buddy, Daly Cherry Evans beside him. That's right, mate. Yeah. I. I mean, look. I think Jamie Beer is one of those guys that's difficult to hate. I've, I've always felt like uh, he punched above his weight, but injuries and life has sort of caught up with him. And um, yeah, I don't think he's, he's certainly not first-grade quality anymore. But look, we'll push past the Knights. Um, we've got another basket case in the New Zealand Warriors. Uh, what have you made of their season, and are they a chance of making it? Look, part of me wants them to make it just because they beat Manly, and it'll make me feel better about us losing that ridiculous game last week. Yeah, yeah. Didn't see that because, coming. Uh, I really didn't, because they've been our bunnies. Them and the Sharks are the teams that we always beat. So it was really strange to finally be clear and obvious favourites against them and then lose. <laughs> That's right. I remember a few teams, a few years gone by where Manly was sort of struggling, but you'd gone over to New Zealand and, and done New Zealand over a couple of times that I can remember. So, yeah, um, we also used to play them in Perth a, a Perth a bit. I think three years in a row we played them in Perth and that was always a win for us as well. Yeah, that's right. But honestly, I, I found that game a real weird one to watch because... You know, you, you, for the most, I know they started out of the, out of the blocks, but I think you dominated that first half for the most part. But went in eighteen nil behind or something, didn't you? It was a, a very strange game of footy. To me, that game highlighted what I don't. I mean, in Des, I trust, of course, but I don't <laughs> understand what he's seeing in Dylan Walker, and that highlighted the weaknesses of having him at five eight because Cherry Evans has no attacking backup mm. with Dylan Walker there. Whereas when we had Cade Cust at 5'8", to me, it wasn't all about Cherry Evans and the defence had to... You know, we were asking questions of the defence and now we're not. So, But anyway, we're not talking about Manly, talking about the Warriors. And <laughs> they're 5'8", they're to Vita Harris, I think his name is. He was really good and he, he just looked calm with the ball and 
I think that's something that you know Blake Green tries to bring, but he's he he needs someone really good alongside him, and he hasn't had that all year. And this Tavita Harris, if he can keep playing like that, and the forwards do keep muscling up and ball bounces their way, mm. they could get there. But I think they have a really hard draw, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I was skipping ahead and having a look, um, but. I probably haven't got it in front of me right now, but I think they do have a bit of a hard run in, actually. Uh, yeah, very slow broadband this side, Mario, so I'm not going to be able to bring it up. But, um, look, yeah, I, I don't think they're going to make the, the eight either. Um, they, you know, they had a bit of a mixed bag year. I think they've they've had, um, you know, portions of the year where they've actually performed quite well. I, I think green over there is good for their balance, actually. Um, but, yeah, he's maybe lacked a bit of a different angle of attack. But, as you said, that new half might be just the key, but... Not, maybe not for this year. Yeah, I think maybe so. I think if they stick with him, the, the big issue is they've just paid money for Nicarima. So will they take the classic coaching mistake of, oh, we're paying him money, we have to pick him? Or will they do the right thing and put him on the bench and tell him to suck it up? I think what they should have done is uh, the money that they spent on them, you should have just burnt that money straight away uh, because there's there's no way that's a good investment for me. <laughs> Uh, poor old Nick Every Brisbane fan would agree. I know. I mean, the guy is an absolute turnstile as well, isn't he? I mean, I don't think I've ever seen him make a tackle, to be completely honest. I've seen him try plenty of times, uh, but yeah. I've ne- never actually seen it happen. So for, I think we're both agreeing that the Warriors won't make it. A um, bit of a sentimental favourite for me. We've got the Tigers. Um, obviously, Robbie has fractured a bit of his leg. Doesn't look like he's going back at minimum until the last round. If he does... Are they a chance? They look battered and bruised, but they've actually surprised a lot of people this year. Well, see, I, at the start of the year, I had Tigers in the top eight, and last week I had them finishing seventh. But then they, of course, did that to the Bulldogs, and then Robbie got injured. So I'm assuming they'll find a way to finish in their usual position of ninth. I tell you what, they've got that ninth sewn up, haven't they, every year. Yep. But they, oh, what they I love about the Tigers is they find a different route to get to ninth every year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm with you. I don't think they'll make the, uh, the the eight this year, but it's been a valiant effort. I hope I'm wrong, actually, because I, I like them as a team, actually. But um, the Sharks, now, um, they've been very interesting. They're obviously, out, I think, just outside of the eight, but it feels like... To me, they're a team, at the very least on paper, who could be a top four team, but they find themselves out of the eight. Is there a chance that with all of their troops on the park, they make a run? Well, didn't they have all their troops on the park last week and then they played like that? True. I, I, I can't work them out. I had them as the other team in the eight, as you know, Tiger seventh, Cronulla eighth. Mm. And I think because of that loss last week, I think I've got them just out of it now. But, you know, interestingly, Murray, I'm pretty sure they scored the same amount of tries again. This has to be a pers- an absolute um, PB, isn't it? I think they must be the only team to have scored either the same or more tries than the opposition and lost in a single season ever. Well, five, is it five times they've done it this uh, year? It's or five, something? possibly six. I think it's five or six. It's I amazing. Know it was four in a row in any case. Yeah. And, and well, the irony being... I just saw an article tonight from where Sean Johnson's blamed their goal-kicking woes on not having a goal-kicking coach. <laughs> That's clutching at uh, straws, isn't it? Well, it is, but you look at the Bulldogs. They've had Daryl Halligan there forever uh, as their goal-kicking coach, I believe. Mm. And you look at the quality of goal-kickers they've produced. You look at Moses M. was... Well, I think he was a 75 to 80% kicker at the Bulldogs, and now at the Tigers, he's just garbage. 
Yeah, true. Yeah, I suppose I never really thought about it, but it's a funny thing because you just think, well, do you just need to practice? Are they the victim of having too many goal kickers in their team? Because they've got about five or six recognised goal kickers. That's the irony as well, right? That that you've got Townsend, you've got Johnson, you, you had Moylan, um, I think Dugan kicks. Like, there's a lot of guys kicking, but yeah, none of them Flan- are landing. Flano Jr. He was, he was yeah, Flano, well. exactly, Flanagan. So... I don't know. It's a weird thing. They almost all seem to have a crack at one point and they all missed. Yeah, which I don't mind because, you know, I've never had a problem with the Sharks until they won the grand final and their fans went all weird. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? I went bad on the Sharks is when I, I saw Andrew Eddinghausen happy. I didn't like it. I felt weird. <laughs> um, the Broncos. Now, this is a highly publicised fall from grace, but they're, they're somehow, uh, I think anyway, somehow still in the eight. To me, they're a team that seems like they've played in the bottom four or five teams on performance, but there they are still hanging on to a potential finals berth. Do you think they're going to make it? And if they do, will they make an impact? Well, I think we've run out of teams. I think since we said all the other ones won't, it's either the Sharks will make and Brisbane won't. I think it's kind of between those two. Yeah, you're right. So- you're unbearably logical, Mario. I mean, I'm very impressed by all this. You you really crunched the numbers there. <laughs> well, because I, well, I did the I did my ladder prediction two weeks ago, so I've got it all, <laughs> okay. all sort of sitting in my head still. Very um, nice. I I want Brisbane to make the eight because then there's a decent chance that Manly will play them in the first round, and I think that we would much rather play them or Cronulla than the, the Panthers because we don't have a great record against the Panthers. Yeah. And everything for me comes down to who do I want to see Manly play. Yeah, as, as any good fan should be. So I, I think Brisbane somehow, I don't understand how their coach is a moron. Just as a digression, I assume you've seen the stuff the last two days about um, Luke Carey. I have. Him. Yeah, I loved it. I love. I mean, oh, I, love, I loved how unbearable... Yeah, I mean, how ridiculous it was is what I loved. Obviously, didn't love the but point he was making. Did you see the answer to it today? Um, a. Carey came out and argued it, but also Fox Sports came out and showed stats for the season. Darius versus Carey, and it did not make for a good reading for Darius. Oh, no, I didn't see that. I didn't see the follow-up. What did Luke Carey say? Oh, I haven't, even, I haven't even seen the article. I've just seen that he fired back. Oh, okay. Like he needs to, though. I mean, it you know it goes without saying the performance between the two is chalk and cheese. I mean, everyone knows that the big the big problem that the Broncos have is that Darius Boyd not only passed his use by date, but he signed for another couple of years, hasn't he? So um, I think he's signed for next year, but he maybe has an option in his contract for the year after. I think that's how it works. Right. Okay. Well, they're in trouble then if that's the case. I I, I don't know. If, have you have you know I don't know if you know any of the intel here, but O'Sullivan's up there, right? And he's a recognised half. Is is he injured at the moment? What's going on there? He was injured a couple of weeks ago. I'm not sure if he still is. And also, they've their other issue was their halfback. Is it Dearden? Yeah, Dearden. Um, he's injured as well. So they've got their best hooker Turpin playing in the halves. Yeah, exactly. They've got no halves. Colored. Yeah. <laughs> They've literally got no one who's a record. Well, they've got Milford, obviously, but um, but He's very yeah, exactly low on a low on confidence, and ironically not playing in the halves. So, um, are we both? I mean, you obviously you. It sounds like you have them in the eight, but you think they're a bit of a joke. They're just making up the numbers. Yeah, hundred percent making up the numbers. I think I can I think every team in the eight wants Brisbane there rather than Cronulla. Surely. Yeah, I reckon you're right. Um, the Panthers, mate. Um, the interesting one. I guess they're a little bit below the radar because. Um, no one sort of, I guess, oh, this is just my own perception anyway, that no one sort of sees them as a, a particular threat. But 
Um, it I always do flash back to the, the the fact that they do have you know the New South Wales halves there, and they have got a, a decent ish team around them. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. New South Wales halves. We don't really need to go into how shit ki- bloody Cleary is doing. <laughs> Mate, please, can you furnish our listeners with your um, with many examples? I would just honestly like to say I would I would like to wonder how many fans of any team would choose to have Cleary in their team over one of their existing halves, even at the same price as their existing half, let alone at the whatever God knows how high a price he's actually getting paid right now. Do you have any scope for the idea that um, he's, he's still pretty young and he might continue to develop, or do you genuinely see him as a, a permanently overrated half? Oh, I hope he actually gets better because I hate I hate the whole media hype ruining someone like it's done with Matt Moylan. They've, they've kind of ruined him. Hmm. Everyone everyone sort of hated Moylan, and it was wasn't his fault. He was just a decent player. Yeah. But and Cleary's the same. Cleary's just uh, an acceptable player with potential to get better. I mean, his old man was pretty good. Yeah, I didn't mind Ivan. Although you know what his trademark was um, as a Roosters fan, I can tell you this at least when he played fullback. He would only ever pick up the ball once the ball had completely lost any all of its motion. So he was extremely careful, and occasionally, obviously, the ball would be rolling around in our own in goal for about three minutes, um, and then Ivan would very safely pick it up before being smashed. But as you said, he, he had some good moments. I'm not to say he was a completely bad player, but um, yeah, I, I I agree with you, Murray. I, in terms of he certainly his performance does not match his reputation at the moment. That's clear. There's a chasm. Between those two things, I think the question is, what's his potential and how, how good can he be? And, and a weird little factor in, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but it does seem as though Maloney and, and Cleary, they play better when, it, when the other guy's not there each way. That seems to be my observation, is that when the other, one of them's out, the other one seems to play better. Um, so I don't know, the fact that they're both there this weekend may not be an advantage. It's they they just they I can't pick them as a team. I can't work out what they're offering. They played was it last week or week before they played quite well and and got you know did a bit of a score and looked like a a reasonable team. And then another week, I mean every team's inconsistent. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't think the Panthers' best is better than the average of you know Parramatta. Yeah, fair enough. And look, it's funny you say Parramatta because I want to talk about them next before we get to your beloved Eagles. Um, they're, they're a team that I've I got to tell you, I, for even in, even until this present day, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, how are they as high up the ladder as they are? Well, they've never really blown uh, my socks off, but they're obviously, you know, they've won enough games to get there and they've, I think they've got a fairly comfortable draw on the way in. So they're going to well and truly cement themselves in the eight. Uh, maybe I've been off base there, They're, but I guess they've been winning a few games about Fergo as well, who's been out with that infection. Where do you see the Eels yep. this year? I hate to say it, but I see them finishing fifth ahead with Manly down in sixth, just because we've got the harder draw in. Yep. Uh, but it largely depends on who wins the game between Manly and Parramatta, of course. But That's going to be a I, cracker. I can't wait for that. Yeah, at, at Banquest as well. That's going to be a good one. Nice. I, I think Parramatta are better than they've looked. I just think they've got the pieces to the puzzle there. And now that Nathan Brown's come back, I think he adds so much punch up the middle that he's going to make more space for the Mike Acevos and the Blake Fergusons. And if they could, you know, they've, they've punted some of the dead weight they had. You know, you look mm. at the 
Evan French and people like that, and they've managed to move on the weaknesses, and now they've got pretty solid in all positions. And Mitch Moses looks, you know, is finally like, to me he's so much better than Nathan Cleary. And if I was picking someone for Origin, I'd pick Moses over Cleary. Well, I've got to say, and I've been a bit of a critic of Moses, um, but he's by far and away had his best year, and he does seem to be that ultimate confidence player, doesn't he? When, you know, I guess the knock on him is that when the chips are down, he can go missing a little bit, but I guess you can make that criticism for most halves. But this year, he's he has really controlled things pretty well. Um, he's playing with a lot of confidence. And I, I have to say, I don't know if it's... Um, I, I'm pretty sure it's not a coincidence, but Brown, I think, makes a big difference to that team as well. The kid's a good yeah. player. He really is. I think Parramatta are a really good front-runner team. As soon as they get a lead, they're kind of like the storm. They don't, they don't seem to get run down much. I might be totally getting that wrong, but it's just a feeling I have that they are good when they're in the lead, but you know teams need to get out, get ahead of them and they'll probably be fine. Yeah. But, so I feel like Parramatta could even make a prelim, but I don't think they're any actual danger of making or winning the grand final. All right. I, I'm, I actually agree with you, mate. I don't see them as a premiership threat, but I, I think they might jag a game here and there in the finals, but we'll find out soon. Um, now, we're on to your beloved Eagles, mate. Before we start on them, as an Eagles fan, I mean, I have a man crush on them and I'm not even a fan, but the Draboyevic brothers, I mean, you must be absolutely head over heels gaga about those two. Oh, I think most Manly fans are, to be honest. It just... And you say those two, but and and the other third one as well is Ben Travoyevich coming through, and he'll probably be in our first grade team next year or the year after. Beautiful. Tell me a little bit about him. I don't know as much about him. He's a bit more of a Tommy Turbo than a Jake Turbo. He's another beanpole, you know, quick, <laughs> yep. quick and strong, and you know, still clearly growing into himself. So he 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 looks like he could be anything, but of course, time will tell. Yeah. Mate, it's great to have guys like that coming through. Um, and uh, So they could be a triple threat, is what you're saying. Well, if, if, he, if he has any sort of a connection with the brothers the way Tom and Jake have with each other, you see how they really do hover around each other and get yep. breaks from each other's stuff. If, if there's a third one who can do that too, I'll tell you what. Mm. Mate, I agree with you. And look, and just on the Eagles more broadly, if they're, they're, in my, they're my top four. If I think of it, there's any... Um, teams that can take it out I don't mean necessarily finishing in the top four but I mean being in that yep. the final four teams of the year the Eagles look I know they may be struggle a little bit for depth but when they've got that team there to me they, they're a team that can beat anyone on their day they're, they're, they're potent they've got points in them um, they can be grizzled because I think Des has changed um, a few aspects of the team I think that they are far more likely to get involved with the grind now as well uh, which is obviously great for finals footy. So it's all good things. I think they're a genuine shot. Without your blinders on, do you think that they're a genuine shot as well? I think if we can have our optimal team on the paddock, which even though it's not the one I want, which would be the Cade Custard number six, but even with Desi's optimal, which is Dylan Walker that ticks, I think we could be. But the big issue is, is, is Brad Parker coming back? Because he's been so good for us this year. And the other question is, is Affy Corosau going to be there? Because I feel like he's actually a handbrake on the team now. If we have Manassi Fanu playing 80 minutes, I think we're a much better team. If we're relying on having Appy there and as a starting hooker, I think we're probably letting ourselves down a little bit. And although we've shown that we could beat any team on our day, I don't think we could win that many in a row. Mm, that's interesting. I like the fact that you're not completely uh, lacking of objectivity there as a fan, because I, I am. I have to admit, I have no 
um, instinct for any kind of fairness when it comes to the Roosters. So uh, <laughs> I, I feel like we're a 2020 premiership team. I think I'm, I'm all in on us next year. Yep. I think we're just a year too early and we're still sort of finding our combinations. Uh, that being said, I genuinely think we could beat anyone that day and every every game comes, I'm going to be feeling like, yeah, we're going to win this. Now, you... we've got two... We've got games against Canberra, Parramatta and Melbourne to come in the last four weeks. What an easy so, run in that is. Yeah, that's our last three weeks. So, <laughs> Mate, you'll be all prepared you know, we'll for finals. Two of those. Yeah. yeah, we beat the Tigers in two of those where I'm, I'm cheering. I reckon we're a real chance. We only win two of those games, then I'll be feeling like, yeah, it's more of a 2020 thing. Yeah, right. Well, mate, I have to say, as I said, um, you alluded to it earlier, Dylan Walker, to me, he's never been a six. Um, he's a centre through and through for me. And and what yep. is, what's the deal with, with Cade? So, to me, he was he was looking good. I thought he actually got injured, but are you saying he was dropped? Uh, every, everything I can tell suggests he was dropped. Wow. Uh, no one seems to have a definitive thing on that, and he's definitely... I haven't heard anything to suggest he's injured. As far as I know, he's playing in reserve grade. And so I'm wondering, is there a thing there with him and Dez? Is there a behavioural issue? Because Dez doesn't, at Manly anyway, he's never really been one to make bad selection decisions. If someone's better than someone, I feel he's always made that right call. But I don't think he's making that right call here. Because as you say, Dylan Mm. Walker is an excellent number three. I don't see him as an excellent number six. But... Mate, Other people disagree with me, and that's fine. I reckon you're right. I reckon there's more to that story, so I'm going to have to do a bit of digging around there. Um, a couple of teams to go, mate, because I know we're going to go and watch the game. But they've got the Rabbits. The Rabbits, um, you know, pulled up a little bit lame against the, the Storm. The Storm were putting on a bit of a masterclass last game. Obviously, Adam Reynolds is perennially injured. Um, Sam Burgess comes back this week, obviously, because, you know, he doesn't know how to get suspended. Are they a chance at all um, for having a crack? Obviously, it's, I, I think, think they're the third third, in the third or fourth in the betting, aren't they? I think they're about fourth in the betting. I think fourth, I think they're, they should be equal with Manly, honestly. We've had two games against them and each game decided by a point. I think that's a fair reflection of how good both teams are. Yeah. I think if they have... If they get Reynolds healthy and if they get Johnson back then, yeah, I think they're a, they're a genuine chance. You know, they're right there beside Manly as a as a f- equal fourth sort of chance to win. But I, I, I don't think Reynolds is going to come back, so I'd actually have us slightly ahead of them on the likelihood of winning. Yeah. I mean, every time you think that, that he looks like he's out for the season, he somehow manages to clamber back, Adam Reynolds. I don't know how he does it, but he looked in all he's sorts last week. Yeah, he looked like, like... He's made of glass, but he's tough. Yeah, he really is. No, I completely agree. Like his body lets him down each and every time, but he seems to soldier through. Um, you know, to me, they lack a bit of an X factor. And now everyone's talking about Johnson at the back. They need another. Obviously, they do need a better fullback than the one they've got there at the moment. But I think they also need a little bit more than that. I think I think they do lack a little bit of spark. And the only the only kind of X factor that I think when Dylan Walker is on, oh, sorry, Dylan Walker when um, Cody. Cody Walker is on, not when Dylan Walker's on, people get hurt. Uh, but <laughs> Cody Walker, when he's on, he is the kind of X factor that I think that they do need because he knows how to play outside of the structures. And he's just starting to roll into a little bit more confidence. Obviously, that origin period seemed to destroy his confidence. And he's been very slowly recovering ever since then. But I think in the last couple of weeks, he looks a lot better. I agree completely. I wouldn't have to say anything different from what you just said. <laughs> All right, mate. We'll move on to the uh, the Raiders. Um, what did you make of the Raiders when they took on the Roosters last week? Um, obviously, it went down. It was a bit of a thriller. It went down to the final 
final couple of minutes. Um, to me, they're a very dangerous-looking team. I think they're a kind of team that can knock anyone over on their day. Do you see them as a threat? I see them as a threat, but I, to me, the Roosters always were in control of that game, and I don't think anyone watching ever really thought the Roosters were going to lose it. Mm. So, yeah, the Raiders got close and there was kind of nothing in it, but there still seemed that bit of a gap in class. And the Raiders, as you say, they can, they, we all think they can beat anyone on their day, but they haven't proven it yet this year. They haven't beaten any of the top teams. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and, but it, it's a weird thing because, uh, you know, until someone had pointed that out to me in a couple of weeks ago, I'm thinking, well, but they, they seem so potent. But, of course, you know, the pressure cooker games are when you really know where a team's at. Um, I, I do love the guile of that team, though. I, I think that this, the difference between the Raiders this year and previous years of these that kind of um, smarmy Englishmen who play a, a, a little bit more of a tougher brand, and they're obviously, you know, devils when it comes to the one-on-one steal, and, and it, it, Hodgson is the big linchpin. I, I just feel as though they might have some surprises left in them. I don't know. I think they're probably the most exciting team to watch. You know, I, I'm, I only get excited watching my own team generally, but yep. my, my usual thing is I'll go for Manly or anyone who's playing Melbourne. But I, I think um, one big question with Canberra is if um, Joey Leilua comes back healthy, which he might be back this week or it might be next week, if he can come back and be himself, then that's a huge in for them. And then I'll say they can beat anyone. And I, I think it was your tweet, mate, that you might have put up. Did you put out the controversial suggestion that maybe you'd put Lalua in for Croker? Oh, absolutely. That was me, yeah. <laughs> mate, that would have... Did that ruffle any feathers? I could see a lot of, uh, you know, Canberra fans being irate at the suggestion. But I have to say, um, as someone that's um, not necessarily been the biggest advocate of Jared Croker, I know he's broken a lot of records, but I also think he has a major chink in defence and... Um, I also think if you have a look at his tri-assist column, it's it's marketedly down comparatively to other people. He's sort of a little bit more of a selfish player as well for me. That's why he scores so many tries. Yeah, I think so completely. I just think if you the team that they've got, the players on the right are playing really well, but you're not going to split up Leipana. So you get you get um, Kotrick, bring him over to the left with um, Simonson or even Oldfield. I don't really care, but they just need something. As you say, Croker sort of stifles the attack. I don't think he's that great. He, they don't need him for goal kicking because Aiden Caesar is just as good a goal kicker. He's eighty plus percent. Yep. Uh, so yeah, that's certainly my opinion. They drop they drop Croker and bring Leilua and leave everything else pretty much the same. I think that they can potentially be the best team in the comp this year. The final two teams, mate. Obviously, the competition favourites, the Roosters and the Storm. Let's do this as a big onesie. Um, the Roosters are mildly ahead in terms of favouritism. But for me, I've told you before that I find it hard to take my blinkers off. I'm going to do it for a second. The Storm are better this year for me. I know that everyone talks about um, the Roosters having a, a gear um, that other teams can't go to. But uh, that might well be the case. We've got some firepower on the, ta- on the field, but... Um, I don't know. The Storm have consistently played at the same level all year, haven't they? Uh, uh, and obviously, I know you're very scornful of Cameron Smith, but <laughs> and feel free to unload. But um... he is a great player. I hate him with everything I have to give, but he is a great player. He's not as good as Andrew Johns, but he is a great player. Yep. No, I agree with you. I, Joey's still the best I've seen. 
Um, if, you, you ha- if these two happen to make the grand final, mate, which does appear to be the most likely scenario, how do you see the game going? Uh, hopefully exactly the same as last year. <laughs> mate, you're a man after my own heart. One of the best nights, one of the best nights of my life, you know, when that happened. Because not just because it was a premiership win, but the way it happened, and the fact it was against Cameron Smith's Melbourne Storm. Oh, shouldn't you be rubbing in 2013 right now, saying that was the greatest night? <laughs> not at all, mate. I'm not a malicious man. <laughs> um, I got to tell you, I was at a Bucks party, a mate, good mate of mine's Bucks party, watching that 2013 one. I was half blind, um, but it was a. From what I remember, a really good game of football. I, I did end up watching it a little bit more sober later on, but that was actually just a genuinely great game of footy. That twenty thirty, really you know, I, I I know it's easy to say when you support the winning team, but far out. That was just a end to end. You really didn't know who was going to win until midway through that second half. Um, yeah, and what that what a team that Manly dynasty was, you know, through that period. Well, I, I'm. I mean, I've been, I've spent years being very upset about us being, you know, inverted commas robbed in that game. But in hindsight, it's lucky that we lost it because, you know, it turns out that we probably would have had that title stripped for salary cap issues, and that would be about the worst thing. I think I'd have to give up rugby league <laughs> if that happened because I could not be after how much I hate the storm. I could not have my team be in the same situation as being, you know, having an asterisk beside them for a title. No way. Mate, I love how principled you are. And look, I know that the the Manly game has started, mate, so I'm going to let you go. But before you do, just wanted to say thanks very much for coming on the show. This was by far and away the the first time we've had anyone remotely knowledgeable about the game. So it felt very different for me. Um, That's a bit harsh on Pat. (laughs) That's actually very true. Apologies, Pat. (laughs) (laughs) But but by by and large, um, there's very little uh, insight and analysis going on on the voluntary tackle. So, um, mate, I hope to have you on again if you can, because, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I would would love to, hopefully in person next time. Yeah, absolutely, mate. We'll have a few beers. Thanks for coming on. No worries. Catch ya. Well, that's the show for this week. Uh, Please follow The Voluntary Tackle on Twitter if you feel like you want to get in touch and abuse us. So until next time, just do what Peter Beattie would do and become a lifetime member of the Illawarra Sharks. Good night.